0: I really didn't want to lose two hundred fifty dollars. Um, and I thought to myself, too, in the back of my mind, like, were you going to call me, <laughs> you know, were you going to change this and at least let me know? Because I could have be driving, you know, to Timbuktu to this gig and nobody would have been there. I'll tell you what, it would have been a lot less just everything if I had had a contract gotten some kind of down payment, you know, it probably would have been on their radar more too, if they had had to pay out money and put a contract in place, you know, something that they would have had to send back and forth.
1: Welcome to the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast with Bree Noble. Brie is a musician, entrepreneur, speaker, and founder of Women of Substance Music Radio and Podcast. Brie's interviews with successful female musicians and industry pros are both inspirational and informational. She also answers your questions about the music business. Brie is on a mission to help you create great music, connect with your fans, and grow your business and to truly become a female entrepreneur musician. Hey, hey, this is Bree Noble, and I am so glad you're tuned in to the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast today, where we talk about making great music, connecting with your audience, and growing your business. And today on Indie Interactive, I brought back one of my favorite guests for me and for my audience, and that is Tara B. She's the creator of the Book Like a Boss training that uh, we talked about a little while ago on here. She came on here and talked about some different Um, strategies for musicians and booking, including how to price yourself and how to find gigs in a new market. So if you missed those episodes, you want to go back to those episodes, numbers 98 and 100 with Tara B. You can find those at femmusician.com or on iTunes or wherever you love to listen to this show. Okay, so I'm going to jump right in to this conversation today, which is about when you should Talk to your venue or your event planner or whoever is doing the booking for you when you should talk to them about adding a contract or we sh- when you should ask for a deposit or when you need to set up a guarantee. So there's a lot of gray areas around this, and we have a lot of great questions that came in from you guys that were on Indie Interactive, and so we go into how to make a determination of when you should approach your um, venue person that you're negotiating with about contracts, deposits, and guarantees. So here is Indie Interactive in progress. And Tara, who's going to be joining me, she's the founder of the Book Like a Boss training, which is such an awesome training that some of you went through last summer that she's going to be running again next week. So before we get into all the nitty gritty stuff as you guys are showing up, I just want to make sure you know how to join her book like a boss training. It is a free four day training where she's going to teach you a lot of really great skills around booking about knowing how to what how much to charge when you're, you know, negotiating with people, she's going to help you understand like where to find gigs that maybe you haven't Found in your area, some different niche places that you can go out and get. And you know, she's going to teach you really how to put all this together into a system that allows you to book your own gigs and feel really confident about it. So, if you want to join her Book Like a Boss training, it's going to start next week on the twentieth. That's Tuesday, and you can just go over to femmusician.com slash tara b. That's F as in female, E as an entrepreneur, musician.com slash T A R A B, and you can join us for that training. All right, well, I'm going to turn it over to Tara because I want to start out while I'm waiting to see what questions you guys have about this subject. um, You guys can feel free to put any questions that are coming to mind, or as Tara talks a little bit, what questions come to mind into the comments down here, and I'll be watching those. But I want her, first of all, to introduce herself and tell you a little bit about her experience, but then She's got a couple of stories that I think will help put into perspective why it's important for us to think about these kind of business related things like contracts, deposits and guarantees in advance. So go ahead, Tara, take it away.
0: Hey, thanks, Bree, and good morning, ladies, um, or good afternoon, wherever you're watching this. But I am—I've been booking for a really long time, and um, I have come across, I guess, a lot of different aspects of booking, whether it's you know doing the booking itself or once you're actually doing the the concert. And I—I I have some some stories, I guess, to tell on the kind of sadder side, and maybe not too sad, but. Just have really helped me. You know, I feel like I'm still learning this process. I've been booking for over 30 years, and it's amazing how, even when I think I sort of have it together in some ways, that I still come across things that it's like, I can't believe I didn't do that. And my hope today actually is (laughs) to help you out so that you don't have that same thing go through your head where you're like, man, I wish I hadn't done that, or I wish I had done that. And so, like with contracts or Invoices, you know, like when we book a gig and we think that it's solid or we think that we're going to have it, things go smoothly. I want to spare you that or I want it to actually to go smoothly for you. So let me just share about um, a, a concert that I had. It was actually just last December. I had gotten a concert, um, a booking from a friend of mine, a friend who I trust. She's a professional musician as well. And it was a gig that she couldn't take. And this is back in October, but it was for a December gig. And I thought it was gonna be a really actually great gig. It was for just um, background music on the piano, and which most of the time I'm singing and playing piano at gigs, but this was just for background music. So I thought, this kind of sounds easy peasy, (laughs) like I'll be able to just go and play. I think it was for maybe like an hour and a half that they originally were gonna have me. And then they wanted me to do a couple of sing along carols at the end. And so when my friend said, can you do this? They're actually gonna pay like 250. I thought, hey, that sounds great. And it was gonna be on a grand piano at a country club. So I thought, yeah, this sounds like something I can do. The date was free. So my friend hooked me up with the lady that had booked her. We emailed back and forth, this lady and I, set everything up. In fact, the lady even sent me pictures of the grand piano. And so I thought in October, I thought we were all set, especially with our emails back and forth. So everything was in writing. Everything was clear. And the only thing I said to her at the end of the last email in October was, you know, when we get closer to the date, Let's just make sure that you email me the list of the songs that you want to do for the sing along for the Christmas carols. And she agreed to that. So I thought we were good to go. You know, I didn't and I didn't send a contract. I didn't do anything about the down payment because I was kind of trusting my friend that this was a good gig. Well, a week before the gig, I emailed the lady and I said, hey, you know, this is Tara. I'm just checking in with you. Hope all things are well. Can you give me a list of the songs that we're going to do? Well, I didn't hear from her. Three days went by. So we're getting pretty close to the gig. Still didn't hear anything from her. I looked in her last email and she did have a phone number, thank God. So I called the phone number and I got her live on the phone, which was also a really great thing. But I called her and I, I can't remember her name, but I had You know, said this is Tara. I'm checking in with you. I I didn't hear from you, and I had sent an email. I didn't know if you got it, but I just wanted to touch base with you about the party. And she said, Oh, and I I thought, oh no, what's gonna happen? She said, You know what? We moved the plate the location of the Christmas party, and there's not a piano at the new party, so we actually don't need you for it. And I said, Oh. I said, so, okay, so there's not a keyboard. Well, not a piano. Well, I, I do have a keyboard, you know, i thinking in my head quickly, like, what can I do? Because I really didn't want to lose $250. Um, and I thought to myself, too, in the back of my mind, like, were you going to call me? <laughs> you know, were you going to change this and at least let me know? Because I could have been driving, you know, to Timbuktu to this gig and nobody would have been there. Now, I did not say this to the lady on the phone, but so we negotiated kind of quickly on on the phone and I think she felt kind of badly, but um, we did negotiate. I did bring my keyboard. I went to the new location. I did charge them $50 extra to bring the keyboard and set up, but I'll tell you what, it would have been a lot less just everything if I had had a contract gotten some kind of down payment, you know, it probably would have been on their radar more too, if they had had to pay out money and put a contract in place, you know, something that they would have had to send back and forth. Cause it seemed like I wasn't even on their radar at that moment um, with changing it. So, you know, all ended really well. And they did say at the end of the, the gig, like, we want you back next year. But I'm thinking, well, if that does happen, believe me, I'm sending a contract. (laughs) and getting a down payment. So we'll see. So that was, like I said, it it was, it ended well, but it could have been better had I actually done those things. So I would just encourage you that, especially when it's from another musician, that it might be wiser, even if you trust that musician to actually get things in writing. It's a, it'd be a wiser thing. I kind of learned the hard way. So another story again that happened this fall. I don't know what was with me this fall. Maybe I just um, was slacking a bit or something, but I had, um, if any of you were in actually my uh, book, like a boss last summer, I think I had told you about, there was a kind of a posh hotel that I had just gotten the gig with, which was kind of exciting. And I played there four different times um, once a month. And when I had sent, um, There, I didn't have contracts with them either, but what they would do is they'd have me send in an invoice every month and I would get paid the day of the gig. And so that went smoothly for the first two months, I think, which was August and September. Then in October, the woman booked me via email because that's how she did the bookings. She said, well, I'll book you for October and November together. And she had me um, send and she wanted both invoices for both months. So I did that. When I showed up in November for that gig, which I distinctly remember was November 5th, I show up that day and there's another musician there. Um, and thank God it was someone I knew. And so we were chatting and like, well, you're here, I'm here. So she must have double booked us. And he very graciously that day bowed out and he said, You take the gig. He said, I actually would like to be home with my wife. So why don't you just play today? And I was very grateful that he did that, but he told me that he had been double booked at the same place at this hotel, three different times already that year. So that kind of told me that something hasn't been right with whoever was doing the booking, this lady that did it. And when I, um, talked to her about or emailed her, I should say the next day about getting paid. Cause of course there wasn't a check for me that day. since she had double booked us. I, uh, I emailed her, you know, very politely, everything I've tried to do by the way, is to do it very graciously and not in any kind of accusing way. Cause that never works for good relationships. But I just said, you know, there was some kind of misunderstanding and, you know, here's my invoice again. So, you know, I'd like if we could get the check that would be great well it took a while to get the check i think it was like 3 weeks and this was my mistake and i'll tell you here so my invoices i had been sending as a word document not a pdf and so when i she finally sent the check to me in the mail she sent the check she also sent a copy of the word document And on the word document, it was changed. She changed the date of the actual gig. She put November 12th and then had like crossed it out and and then wrote in November 5th. Like I had originally put down that it was November 12th. And then even the date of the like the invoice date where I had written it originally in September, she changed to October. So I knew she had completely messed with it. And I went back and double checked in my computer, you know, like, did I mess up? Did I put that down? No, the original invoice had totally other dates. So she had gone in and changed it to kind of cover, to cover herself, to make it look like she was in the right. And it, it blew me away that someone would lie <laughs> and do that. But I guess people will do things to, you know, cover their back. So I so my advice to you is whenever you send an invoice or contract or anything, do not send it in a Word document. I, I, I guess I didn't realize that you could change it online. And so just send it in a read only form like a PDF or something like that just to be on the safe side. So for like sure. I said, I, I can't of, believe someone would do that. It's such just blows my mind. I know I, it, it blew me too. I sat there looking at it going, she did not do this, but she did. So wow. just be on the safe side to do it from here on out. Read only documents. <laughs>
1: totally, totally. Okay. I've got some good questions for you. And I know you have a few pointers as well that we'll get to sure. if they aren't in these questions, but um, so Jesse is asking, so regardless of our travel distance, we should always have a contract. Have a written agreement? I,
0: you know, I, I don't know. I th- I think it depends on if, if if you're, you know, if you're with a new place, if if it's, if you're with a new place, I think it's wise to have contracts. I think when you're with, uh, I, you know, this, and I don't, you should weigh in on this too, Bree, because, you know, you've been gigging over time. I, when I've had relationships with people over time periods where I've kind of learned to trust them. I don't always have contracts with them in insinuating years or times, but first places I always have contracts with if it's different venues. Um, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I mean, if it's like a house concert, obviously you don't have
1: to do that. You're, you're trusting people. Um, If it's, and I would also maybe talk to other artists that have been, performing at that venue if you know anybody and see if they've Mm -hmm. had any issues
0: Mm -hmm. that's kind
1: of another good idea for me I always would do the contracts um, and deposits and stuff either if I was on tour like you were asking about you know but if it was local if it was a time period or a day that I thought would I could possibly get other bookings. Like say it was the Saturday before Valentine's day and I was Mm. booked for a Valentine's day dinner or something. And I thought, you know, I could probably, if I lost this gig, I could book it again. Um, But if I lost it way too close to it, then there's no way I would have a chance to book something. So I want to ask for a deposit because of that. And when I would explain that to them, they understood. And so I'd usually just do kind of a one pager, contract, not like some mega legal document, um, but just, you know, asking for a, you know, saying the total amount and then asking for like a hundred dollar deposit or something.
0: Right. And you're right. Maybe I, and I would say even at the town gigs, probably more so, because obviously you're traveling. So you want to make sure that you are not going to travel someplace and then, oops, they don't have you booked for it. So, so there, I would say that, and like Bree said, places where they're going to be more, uh, or dates that are more, um, high traffic or, or like, um, Christmas time. Yeah. Like
1: every Christmas gig, I would always get a deposit.
0: I, I know for me, I'll just say this because a lot of gigs that I play, I play to senior citizen places, um, like independent living, um, assisted living, those places I don't do contracts with. We do invoices, but not contracts because it's just a different type of setup and it would seem strange actually to do contracts with them um invoices seem to suffice as a contract and even in an invoice what i have found is you can kind of treat it like a contract in the sense that you write in what you're doing i've even done this with wineries before where on the invoice it's not technically that they're signing anything but like on the invoice at a winery i might write you know this many hours of music with breaks including food or tips or cd sales um And then I'll write things like, you know, the check is made out to me on this date, you know, paid then. I mean, I'll actually write that on the invoice. So it's almost like a contract, even though they're not signing it. But it's just that I'm naming everything out. So it's really clear. Yeah, I I
1: agree. I totally agree. And I think if you say contract, that kind of freaks people out because there's a lot of talk in the, the chat here about like, you know, what if you get pushback? What if people say oh, we refuse to sign contracts and stuff like that? And it def- it's definitely, I think that the name contract scares people unless yeah. it's a venue that's used to having contracts. So yeah. I think if you say, you know, I'd like to send you an invoice so we know that, you know, we all agree on, you know, what is going to transpire, you know, what we are giving you and what you're giving us. Mm-hmm. That's a and, great. And then include all that stuff on there. And then you can, you know, If you've agreed on, like, travel, you know, money and food and stuff, you can even itemize that on the invoice, and it's going to make them feel really comfortable, Mm -hmm. you know, the agreement that you guys are making.
0: Right, you're right. And then it's not like they have to sign it, but you've at least stated it. So there's no, like they're not going to be surprised. I mean, I even do this. Like I play out of town. um, It's my hometown, but there's a restaurant I play at my hometown and we've just, you know, on my, it's not a contract, but on my invoice, I state it's um, three hours with 15 minute breaks. Food is included. You know, I can sell CDs, get tips and, and I get paid that day. And, you know, it's written, the check is written to me. I mean, it's all on the invoice and it's right there. And, um, and it's in the, Owner of the restaurant, he's really he's great about it. I mean, it's just it's all right there. It's all we're just set. It's included. There's no weirdness about it. It's all right, and it's
1: good. Like I think you mentioned that to to include like if it's COD or you're getting paid before you get there, Mm -hmm. just putting that on there because they might not even think about. Oh my gosh, I need to request. I mean, I just did a Valentine's gig last week. And, you know, I got there and they're like, we're so sorry, we forgot to request a check. And it was Wednesday was the day they cut checks. And, you know, like, it's fine. Like, I know where to find you, (laughs) but, you know, it, it was a last minute gig. And had I, had I booked it earlier, I would have worked that out and they would have been ready probably. Right.
0: Right. I, I'm just, are there other questions? Um, I'm
1: looking through these, let's see, send in a read
0: only Google
1: form. I mean, I think the best thing is a PDF. Then people can't change it.
0: Right. Um, And something else, um, if there's not a question, I just go ahead. Um, Sometimes people might ask you or it might be put in a contract about they might ask you about, do you have liability insurance? I've had this happen quite a few times in outdoor gigs, especially like at parks. This has come up more recently. And um, the, the way, and, and when I sang at the airport, this came up where they wanted me to sign a contract that said, well, you've got to have liability insurance. And honestly, none of us as musicians had liability insurance, which basically what they're asking is this extra insurance to make sure that you don't sue them if you get hurt on the job. That's right. really what they're asking for. And so I, you know, I've told them because I checked into it with my own insurance, you know, my renter's insurance that I have, and I said, "Look, what would it cost me?" Well, I think the very cheapest they could come up with was like 500 extra dollars a year, and I just thought, you know, that can be like four or five gigs just to pay for that, and I I thought I don't even want to do that because that would barely cover anything, and the only place that I tend to get asked at is the parks or the it was the airport. I mean. Most places don't ever ask me for that. What I told the airport and what I've told the parks and rec and what I would negotiate and, and if they asked me this summer, because I just um, booked a couple of parks this summer where they haven't sent me the contract yet. But what I'm going to say is, if you want me to sign a clause that says, I will not sue the city, <laughs> <laughs> so if I would get hurt. I will sign a clause that says that. I mean, you can negotiate back with them. Because, you know, when, when someone comes to you with a contract, because it will happen if you do any, a lot of these park gigs, like parks and recreation, um, if you get a government gig, I, I just got a gig with a library. They have these very long forms from the government to sign. I read through those, but if there's something in there that I'm uncomfortable with, I'll talk to them about it. I'll try to negotiate back with them and say, look, either I don't understand this or this I don't know if this applies to me or this, I can't do like the liability thing. And that's what I'll do. I'll try to ask questions back to say like the liability, look, I'll sign a clause that says, I won't sue you. You know, they can, you can negotiate back. It's not always got to be set in stone what they want from you too. If someone is, if you're going to do an outdoor gig with somebody, they have no provision for what happens if it rains or do you get paid if it rains or you need to ask those questions of where's that in the contract, if they're sending you one. You know, Don't be afraid to do that. You're the artist. You need to find out what's going to happen.
1: Yeah, that's so true. We have to be proactive with these kinds of things and think about contingency plans,
0: mm-hmm. which
1: I'm sure they haven't thought of or they just don't want to mention. <laughs> but um Catherine has a good question so she says she does a lot of corporate gigs and she does invoices like we were talking about that are pdfs but does she do you also suggest she do a contract and I kind of feel like if this way is working for her especially with corporate Mm -hmm. I don't think you have to have a contract again like I think an invoice is almost like a contract in a corporate world
0: I agree it's It's like you say, like, if it is working and you're finding out that they're, they're on top of it and they're doing what you need to do, you know, that they're coming through, that they're paying you and it's all written out great on the invoice. I don't think you have to go a step further with it.
1: Yeah. It sounds like she's got that really dialed in. She's got everything written out, all the ways they can pay her, which is important. That's very good.
0: (laughs) Oh, and you know what, just in that payment, if you're a band, um, or a group of people, just make sure that you want them to pay you the way that you need to be paid. As if it's one person that needs to be paid, make sure that you state that. I was part of the BZ Girls, a duo for the last nine years. And at first, so often they would uh, write it out to the BZ Girls, a check. And we don't, we didn't have it set up that way. We needed it to be written to one of us, which was usually me. And so I had to start writing that in the contract or the invoice, you know, please make it payable to Brisky. Otherwise, they would just assume and write it and we couldn't cash it that way. So make sure that if you are a group that you know exactly where that check is going to be written to if it's one check.
1: So asking for deposits up front. And I always did this, especially when I was touring. I would Mm -hmm. ask for at least one hundred dollar deposit up front to Mm -hmm. make sure that I was covered for a certain, you know, amount of that tour, just in case something happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and churches were very receptive to that. They understood that, you know, you're going on out on a limb to be traveling to where they are. Um, and then Beth was mentioning about weddings, which I think and is very important that there's no reason you can't ask for a deposit for that. You're giving up you know, your whole Saturday or whatever, you're learning new music, that kind of thing. They know when they're getting married, they've already probably (laughs) put deposits on catering and other things. So it's not at all out of the question to ask for that.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. A wedding is, and oftentimes it's a long time before when they book you for a wedding, you know?
1: Yes. Quite a long time before.
0: So I don't think, and I I've actually, in fact, most brides have actually said to me, like, do you need a deposit? So hmm. I, I, I think they're... Yeah, they're, they're kind they're... of in deposit
1: mode. Like I said, they're having to put a deposit on their, you know, on their uh, DJ and on their reception mm-hmm. place and on their caterer and all that. So it's not <laughs> at all out of the question to ask that.
0: And I agree with you too, Brian, the whole touring thing. I think with touring, you, you've you also got another aspect to think of that if you're... um having to stay in hotels or anything like that, you've got other upfront costs that are also going to have to be, you know, paid for or thought through or gas or food, you know, it's yeah.
1: And a lot of times I would get, they would house me, um, especially okay. if there were churches and I would okay. put that on there too. Like, you know, housing provided by, by church for even sure. blah, blah, blah. So they wouldn't forget. So I wouldn't get there and be like, have, Oh, where we? <laughs> But um, did you have anything else on your list, Tara, that you wanted to, specifics that you wanted to get to today?
0: I, the one thing to include, I think also in a contract or maybe in your invoice, whichever way you do it, is advertising. Um, like if the place is going to do it or if you're going to do it or if it's a combination. When I sing at, I'm, I'm singing at a library this spring but I had sung at a library last fall and I thought it was interesting that in the contract they put in there that they were going to do advertising like they wanted my permission to use my photo and things on their websites and whatever but when I actually I mean I it was that library that I sang at almost nobody showed up and when I went back in on their um Uh, you know, on their website and some of their community stuff, I didn't see an ounce of advertising. All I saw was at their library, there was like some tiny little poster on like their bulletin board, Hmm. which was fine. But I thought they said actually in their contract, you know, that they were going to. And so I thought they didn't actually follow through on that. And, you know, I I couldn't do anything afterwards, (laughs) It's not like I'm going to go sue them, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I just thought it is It is important to, if, if there is going to be advertising, if that's important to you, if it's important to the place that maybe you define that, that might be something to think about in a, maybe more of in a contract versus an invoice, but I don't know. It's just, if it's important to the place themselves or they bring it up to you, it might be something worth really defining in a contract.
1: Yeah. So, Yeah, good point. Or at least asking them what that involves and what kind of advertising that they're going to do.
0: Mm -hmm. And that was, again, I I just assumed because they brought it up and said they were, I assumed they would follow through with that. And I, I even remember that day asking, like, well, did you guys put this on your website? And they said, oh, yeah, there was a blurb, but I don't really know what they meant by a blurb. So I I think my name was actually listed, but there was no photo. And I had sent them a photo because I distinctly remember that. So it's just, you know, what they mean, what you mean might be two different things. Yeah,
1: Advertising could be we mention your name, not like we put it in the Chamber of Commerce, you know, newsletter, and we put it in the newspaper and, you know, calendar section and all that. Yeah.
0: Right. So (laughs) (laughs) So changes expectations. Right. So it's very good to be. I guess the more clear you can be and defined is always better.
1: For sure. For sure. No one likes to be surprised. Right. (laughs) Awesome. Well, this has been really great and really, you know, very specific and helpful. I think I I do get a lot of questions about this. And I know that we kind of did a, we riffed about this last time when you were doing your book, like a boss and you know, it just seems like there's always more questions about the subject and you know, more things that happen that you can be like, okay, let me add this to the list of why I need to do this, you know, so um, I just want to encourage all of you guys, I know some of you have been to the been in the book like a boss training last summer. Mm -hmm. And this is a training you can do again, it's just like the other trainings Mm -hmm. that I do, that are kind of um, have a little pop up Facebook group, and we encourage each other to do the assignments and there's live video um, every day talking about the assignments. It's just a really great format for helping you focus. If you need to get a, a jump start on your booking for summer,
0: mm-hmm. if
1: you need to have some accountability that you've been putting off your booking because it's not your favorite thing to do. And let me tell you, we get that. Like none of us like are like, I love to do booking, you know? <laughs> so That's why these little pop up trainings are really, really great, because you're going through it with people that struggle with the same things you do, and we're all there to keep each other accountable. So um, we had over 100 people in there last time, and I know that will probably be the case this time. So know that you'll be going through this training with a lot of other indie musicians that are trying to achieve what you're trying to achieve. So it'll be really encouraging and inspiring. Um, and if you haven't signed up yet, you can do that at femmusician.com slash B. That's F as in female, E as in entrepreneur, musician.com slash T-A-R-A-B. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you, Tara, so much. Thank you so much for hanging you're out with welcome. us talking about all this businessy y stuff.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, and I'd love to see any of you, oops, there next week. So if, if you're inclined towards it, I think it would be helpful. I just, I'd love to see you do really well in your booking. It's a, it's a tough thing. And so we do it together, you know.
1: Now go out and make great music, connect with your fans and grow your business. Female Entrepreneur Musician has been brought to you by femusician.com and femalemusicianacademy.com with editing by Jen Eads of 317 Sound Design and music by Stella Ronson.